Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Jordana Levine, and you're listening to the Inspired Table Podcast. Each week, you'll be led down an inspired path of curiosity as I chat to some of my favorite soul-centered folk about the things that inspire me daily in the hope that some of that juicy inspiration will rub off on you. So pour yourself your favorite cuppa and take a seat at my table. I promise you'll leave happier, healthier, and bursting with inspiration. Hello and welcome to the Inspired Table podcast. In this week's episode, I catch up with my good friend and holistic nutritionist, Kate Callahan, and we discuss some seriously important stuff. I'm talking hormones, body image, fertility, why abs on a woman is not an indication of good health, why your periods shouldn't hurt or be heavy, and why stacking on a few kilos could be the answer to some of your health problems. And I hope I haven't scared off any of the guys because we also chat man boobs, baldness, and why men who do yoga are hot. I've had this conversation with Kate a few times over the years, not the hot men yoga bit, the hormone stuff, and I'm glad that we have had the opportunity to share it with you. And if you know someone who you think is going to benefit from it, I would love if you would share it with them. You never know how great an impact it will make. So without further ado, here is my beautiful friend Kate. I hope you enjoy I am a holistic nutritionist, a dietitian, a personal trainer, um, a lifestyle coach, uh, an ex-PR in beauty PR, um, and I am a mum of one little eight-month-old daughter who is absolutely crazy, Um, and we now live in Waikā, New Zealand, but we moved here from Sydney a couple of years ago, and I lived in Sydney for 10 years, and I miss it unbelievably so I miss the beach I miss my friends but I can't complain Wanaka New Zealand is stunning yeah you're living in a postcard (laughs) (laughs) if I complain about it to anyone they just want to punch me in the face shut up (laughs) yeah it's beautiful it is beautiful and I love it here um and the community is amazing so it was a it was a fun move we moved here um just to get a bit of a change of pace we wanted somewhere less stressful than Sydney and somewhere that was a nice community to raise a family and so that's where we ended up yeah beautiful yeah and your your husband is a kiwi he is a kiwi so yeah yeah, that was kind of part of the the draw card as well um he hadn't been back for over 10 years and so he has has family over here he has friends over here so it's all well why not go and spend some time with them and 
if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. It's, you know, three hours flight from Sydney. And we had to go back. It's really not that hard to to go back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so what did that mean for you professionally? Um, Professionally, it didn't really change much. I've always based a lot of my work online. So most of my clients are Skype clients. Um, And those that I was seeing in person in Sydney were happy to become Skype clients. So it didn't really change much at all. I mean, there's less events and nice things to go to here in a population of 7,000 people. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, not much at all. So just so everybody gets a little bit of a background of um, what you do, why don't you tell us a little bit about about the work that you do with your clients? Yeah, sure. Um, So I specialize in women's hormones, um, which actually wasn't something that I had planned to get into. I kind of ended up there by default. Um, When I went back to study nutrition and dietetics, I always thought I had this image that I would specialize in mental health and things like autism and ADD and and schizophrenia and bipolar because I had, um, they were issues that were close to my family and my friends. Um, But it was kind of my own issues that led me down the path of women's hormones and fertility because um, I basically destroyed my hormones and my fertility um, through diet and lifestyle. So I, a while ago, I had quite severe digestive issues um, and I was diagnosed with celiac disease, but following a gluten-free diet didn't really cut the mustard in terms of getting things back on track. Um, And so then I found the paleo diet um, which was wonderful, and it, it healed all of my digestive issues. Um, but it was quite a low-carb paleo diet, um, and at the same time as following this really low-carb diet um, that was high-fat and probably not enough calories, well, definitely not enough calories, I was also doing a lot of exercise as a group fitness instructor, so teaching up to you know 10 to 16 classes of aerobics classes a week. Um, and I was studying two degree or one degree an online course planning a wedding and working part-time in PR so I had a lot of sports (laughs) on my plate (laughs) I know it was ridiculous ridiculous um and I was really really lean I had 13% body fat and my abs were very visible um and so all of this kind of resulted in just a hormonal disaster I Mm. basically had no hormones my all my sex hormones estrogen progesterone and testosterone were all depleted um, and that meant that I did not get a period I had amenorrhea and that also meant that I didn't ovulate so I was infertile um, and so to fix this I kind of had to reverse everything I was doing so eating more eating more carbohydrates exercising less stressing less um, showing myself a little bit of love putting on a bit of body fat so saying goodbye to my abs which is fine we don't need abs for happiness I've discovered <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so then my fertility was restored eventually, um, and then I fell pregnant, which is how I ended up with a baby, obviously. Um, and then I found I, I kind of my way of having a source of accountability was to tell the whole interwebs through my blog, um, and I also felt it was necessary to speak out about it, being a health professional because I had people always coming up to me saying, oh, my God, you must be so healthy. Just because I looked Mm. healthy because I was so lean, it was actually a lie. I looked healthy because I was lean and muscly, 
but I wasn't at all. I was infertile. My bones were really suffering as well because of my low hormones. My heart health was suffering. I had increased risk of heart disease. I had low libido, no energy. It was really not a pretty picture. Anyway, so after speaking out about it, I found that I really wasn't alone. I There's so many people, so many women who are going through the same thing with this amenorrhea due to um, not nourishing themselves properly or stressing too much. Um, so I thought, okay, this is something I could specialize in. Um, and not only that, there's so many other women's hormone issues such as polycystic ovarian syndrome, endometriosis, you know, fibroids, um, issues with menopause. Um, menopause really shouldn't be this horrible disease state like it's made out to be. It should kind of be a smooth transition. It's just, it ends up being this disaster zone because of the way we've treated ourselves in the lead up to it. Yeah. And even, even things as simple as a painful period. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's painful periods, heavy periods, all of that, clotty periods, they're all hormonal imbalances. Mm. So that's how I ended up doing what I do. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I mean, look, back to the, uh, um, is it amenorrhea? Am I saying it right? Hypothalamic amenorrhea. Oh, what she, my brain what she said. Um, <laughs> it, I mean, it's something that I would imagine would be um, extremely prevalent in the health and wellness industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think potentially a lot of prominent um, figures who, you know, run, I don't want to name names, but who run online programs to, you know, get get abs and get lean, I suspect their periods are not ideal. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I see the people that I see all the time, are a lot of them are health professionals. They're, they're fitness instructors, they're personal trainers, they're dietitians, they're nutritionists who have thought they've been doing the right thing all along and they've achieved this supposed ideal body, but everything else has just gone to crap. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's a bit of a tricky balance, though, isn't it? Because, you know, we sort of have this, we have this idea of what healthy looks like, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily what healthy feels like and how our our bodies should function when they're healthy. There's sort of a miseducation there. Yeah, definitely. I think too much emphasis is put on the how we should look yeah, as opposed to how we feel. So as someone who had always prided herself on mm-hmm. her fit body and her six-pack abs, mm-hmm. what, what was that shift like for you? That must, have been, that must have been really difficult. It was hard. It was really, really hard. Um, I, I kind of knew for, before I made the changes, I knew for about two years what I needed to do, but I had my head firmly in the sand it's going no no there must be some other way to do this I don't want to give up my abs let's just throw thousands of dollars of herbs and supplements at it and acupuncture which all of these treatments are wonderful I'm not dissing those treatments but the root of my issue was my body and my body composition um, not any treatment that anyone else could give me um, so yeah and I had abs were this sounds really really sad but they were part of my identity. Yeah. So much so that even when I went out with friends to a bar, my friends would say to other people when they were introducing me, <laughs> this is Kate, feel her abs. Yeah. 
That's crazy. And my nickname for, for some people was Abs. Yeah. Yeah, so it was saying goodbye to that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Whole I, I persona, can, essentially. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. So, what? I mean, what? what is the danger exactly? I mean, I'm assuming that there are some people out there that can have abs and still have, you know, a perfectly functioning body. But what, it, what is the danger for, for other people? Okay, so it depends. You can potentially have abs still, but you do need adequate body fat. Um, so the reason you need adequate body fat is for the production of a hormone called leptin. And leptin is kind of our uh, energy thermostat. So it tells the brain if there's sufficient energy around um, or if you're in a state of starvation. So if there's not enough leptin from lack of body fat, then your brain gets the message that you're in a famine, so to speak. And that has a flow-on effect of the brain then not being able to communicate to your ovaries to produce sex hormones, so estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, to produce a healthy menstrual cycle and produce a healthy um, ovulation to fall pregnant. Um, Now, this isn't the only issue. So a lot of people go, well, I don't want to have babies, so I'll keep my abs. Great, I get that. Um, It's not just about fertility, though. The bigger issues, and probably the biggest issue that gave me the kick in the bum that I needed, was um, bone density. So we need estrogen to help um, help with bone density and to help prevent the breakdown of our bones. Um, and this is so so important for women. Um, from the age of about twenty five, your bones are going to be depleting anyway, um, and you really really need to maintain them. So if you have amenorrhea before then and haven't built that peak bone density, then you're you can be facing a bit of a bit of trouble later on. I see women in their 30s, some even in, in their 20s, who have fractured the neck of their femur. And the femur is that really, really large bone in your leg, in your thigh, that connects into your hip. So this is an injury that you'd often see in 80-year-old women who fall and break their hip. Not in 20, 30-year-old women, but because these hormones have been depleted and you haven't been building that bone and protecting that bone then the bone density is compromised. And not only that, another factor is increased risk of heart disease, which is another another issue that people don't realise. So it's not just fertility. Where's the best place to start with identifying that this might be an issue for you? Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, well, if you don't have a period, that's a good place to, to realise that something's going up. Your period can, should kind of be seen as your monthly report card. Yeah. Um, so if it's not there, then that's your body saying, hey, something's up. So it might seem wonderful to not have a period every month. Um, I know they can be an inconvenience, but they really are an essential sort of report card for your overall health. Um, and same goes for any other hormonal issues. So if you do have those painful periods, if you do have heavy periods, um, PMS, migraines, anything like that, that's signaling that something's going on. So from there, then you should probably go and have a chat to your doctor. Um, And you can get tested. So you can get sex hormone tests, so estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. Um, If they're all really low, that's a really good indicator that you have hypothalamic amenorrhea. Um, Other conditions that you might have, so if you have polycystic ovarian syndrome, then you'd be more likely to see something like a low estrogen in comparison to high testosterone um, and endometriosis, you'd be more likely to see high estrogen. Um, 
yeah, so that's that's where you would start. And you could also kind of do a little checklist of what's going on in your life, saying, okay, I don't have my period. Am I eating well enough? Am I exercising like a maniac? Am I following a low-carb diet? Am I really stressed at the moment? Am I really lean? Do I have a little bit of body fat on me or am I just muscle? Yeah. And there, again, putting that puzzle together. Let's um, let's just talk about the doctor for a minute. Mm-hmm. I, um, I lost my period years ago now um, and it is now back. But at the time, my doctor decided, instead of running any tests, just mm-hmm. to put me on the pill. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's quite, a, that's quite a common answer when you go to a GP, not to generalise. But maybe do you want to have a... Do you want to talk about why the pill is probably not the best option for people in a situation like this? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the pill oftentimes is something that will cause this issue as well. So there's post-pill amenorrhea. Um, yeah, it's... Okay, Disclaimer, I'm not a doctor, so, you know, before you change your medication, go and speak to your doctor. Um, But with the pill, you might want to have a proper talk about it. Um, The reason being, uh, so if you go on the pill like most of us do from a young age, so say we go on at about, I went on about 15, 16, um, that's a vital time during puberty when there's a communication being established between your brain and your ovaries. Um, If we interrupt this communication by having synthetic hormones ingested into our body, then that kind of tells our brain, you don't need to communicate to the ovaries because these hormones are coming in from elsewhere. So you don't need to to tell the the body to make these hormones. So essentially your endogenous, your internal production of hormones gets shut off completely. Um, And it will stay shut off until you go off the pill. And then when you go off the pill, that is going to probably cause some issues because you need to reestablish that connection between the brain and the ovaries, and that can take time and dedication um, and a fair bit of a bit of effort. Um, taking the pill to fix your period is silly. Sorry. <laughs> uh, the pill doesn't give you a period. It gives you a bleed, but it's not a period. It's not an actual true period. Um, it's a withdrawal bleed. So thinking that you're getting a period because you've been given the pill is just naive. I don't want to say that. That sounds rude. Sorry. I didn't... You know what I mean. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Nobody is offended. You're okay. <laughs> I, I've been there. I was on the pill for 10 years. Yeah. So, um And on the bone density side of things, the doctors will try and tell you that it will protect your bones, Um, but the research has actually shown that unless you fix the underlying issue as well, so ensuring that you um, have enough energy available, so eating enough and not exercising too much, then the pill is only going to do so so much in terms of protecting your bones. So it's really really a Band-Aid fix, and you really should be addressing the root cause of it. Yeah, and for those people that are on the pill at the moment, um, you are absolutely not suggesting that they just stop halfway through, are you? Oh, maybe. Are you? Should There's they finish? Not... Should they finish their cycle? No, it doesn't matter. Doesn't there is matter. no ideal time to stop the pill, as because the bleed is just a withdrawal bleed. You can stop it 
whenever you want. If you want to stop today, stop today. If you want to stop at the end of your cycle, stop at the end of your cycle. It doesn't matter, but I would say if you're open to it, the sooner the better. Okay. Uh, and obviously be smart about it if you're if you don't want a baby. Choose a method of contraception that's going to suit you. So condoms, diaphragms. I like natural fertility awareness method, which it's a little bit a little bit more involved, but it actually involves uh, getting more in tune with your body, which I think all of us should be. So it involves tracking things like your temperature um, and your cervical mucus. And some people are probably really grossed out by that, but it's a natural body fluid. I'm sure you're not grossed out by your saliva. So... And it can tell you a lot about when you're fertile and when you're not. Yeah, and on that note, there are some amazing apps that help you track that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. I like Kindara. Kindara's amazing. Okay, I like Glow. Ooh. <laughs> um, I'll have to check out Kindara, though. But, yeah, I mean, you can track you can track absolutely everything on there and it, it helps you sort of monitor it over a, over a few months. Yeah, it's really, really useful information. And when you track your temperature... Um, a lot of people will do this just for falling pregnant or preventing pregnancy. But other things that you can see when you track your temperature are things like low thyroid um, and adrenal fatigue. And they can all show up in your temperatures. So if you've got low temperatures, then that's a sign that you've got an underactive thyroid. If you have temperatures that go crazy and jump all over the place, like big swings, not little swings, that could be a sign that you have adrenal fatigue. Oh, wow. Um, you can see if you have low progesterone, if the second half of your cycle is shorter than about 10 or 11 days. Um, so all, all wonderful things that can show up just from tracking your temperature. So you don't even need to go and get a blood test. You can just do this at home, which I think is a good way to do it, especially when it comes to thyroid function because doctors these days won't test all of the thyroid tests that you need to diagnose underactive or overactive thyroid. And, and how empowering to be so in tune with your body. I love that. Exactly. I think we should be taught it in school, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we should be taught in our sex ed classes. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so now that we know how to um, identify it, some of the, the key flags, what, what are some of the ways we can go about um, healing it and balancing our hormones? Mm-hmm. Well, first it would be to recognize that you need to change and want to change so setting those priorities because if you if you don't want to change if you don't have a really strong why like finding your why why do I want to change then you're not going to change because as lame as it sounds having those abs or having that ideal body is really quite a strong draw card sadly in our society because there's so much emphasis put on it so you need to shift your mindset around um, and you need to get support as well. I wouldn't recommend that anyone do it alone. Um, tell people about it. It's okay to, <laughs> to not have everything going perfect in your life um, and people will appreciate your honesty and you never know, you could be helping someone else out by being honest in that regard. Um, from there, I would say manage your stress first. Mm. I'm not a nutritionist and it's all about food, but really psychological stress on its own can cause amenorrhea. Um, So addressing the stress first is key. Um, And how that does that, so when we're stressed, we uh, release hormones, cortisol, um, adrenaline, and noradrenaline. So these are our stress hormones. And when we release these from the adrenal glands, 
at the same time, our sex hormones are going to be depleted. So they're made from the same precursor, but cortisol will be made at the expense of your sex hormones. So that's how stress in itself is going to throw off hormonal balance. Um, at the same time, if you're stressed, your brain's going to get the message that you're stressed and you're going to be in that fight or flight state as opposed to the rest, digest and reproduce state. And so it's going to get the message that reproduction really isn't an ideal time right now. So implementing stress management techniques every day as much as possible. Um, and this doesn't just mean, you know, sitting in lotus position for an hour in an ashram in India. Because <laughs> we all have time to do that. <laughs> Awesome. I would love that. <laughs> Me too. But if I'm going to be completely honest, you know, for the past five or ten years, every New Year's, I'm like, I'm going to meditate this year. It, it's still yet to happen. I have Ten years later, I haven't meditated. But I do incorporate stress management into my days. Um, it doesn't have to be that extended. If you can meditate, go for it. More power to you. But it could be as simple as when you wake up, taking some deep belly breaths, so 10 deep belly breaths, and that's going to help to activate that parasympathetic nervous system, that rest, digest, and reproduce system, and get you out of that fight or flight and really start you off on the right foot for the day. And you can use that deep belly breathing throughout the day when you feel that you're getting stressed. So if you're in traffic or if your coworker is really annoying you, just coming back to that breath, it's as easy as that, breathing in and out, feeling your belly expand as you inhale, feeling it fall as you exhale, um, and playing, doing things that you enjoy, so fun things, being a child, that's stress management, so not taking life too seriously, doing yoga, doing tai chi, really just finding something that you enjoy, that you find stress relieving. Yeah, that works for you. There's nothing like getting stressed about having to meditate. Exactly. And yeah. it could be as simple as going and catching up with a friend and having a cup of tea. Yeah, beautiful. Okay, so stress management. What else? Uh, next would be diet. So making sure that you're eating enough food. So this is really, really key. And this is something that I see with all women, not just women with amenorrhea, but across the board, hardly any women are eating enough. And I don't... I see that in people who are underweight, normal weight, and overweight, not eating enough. And people mm. say, well, how am I not eating enough that I'm overweight? If you're not eating enough, then your thyroid, which controls your metabolism, is going to slow down because it's got the signal that there's not a lot of fuel to burn, so we need to burn this fuel slowly. And so that can cause issues with weight gain later on. Um, you know, if you're not eating enough, you're not going to get the nutrients that you need for healthy hormones. Um, and in terms of what to eat... Carbs, fat, and protein. <laughs> All of the things. All of the things. <laughs> <laughs> so how do we know? How do we know if we're eating enough? Uh, so you can plug it into um, a calculator. So if you Google Schofield equation, you can plug in all your details there, um, and so that it will give you your basal metabolic rate or an estimation thereof, which is basically what you need to stay in bed all day and not move. Okay. So my basal metabolic rate back in the day, I think, was 1,200 calories without moving. And I was eating maybe 1,400 calories a day, being a stress head and doing a lot of exercise. Mm, yeah, and my wow. requirements were about 2,500 calories. So it's good to see that sort of thing. Um, but I would say start by eating 
three large meals. And if you have Amy Maria, probably two snacks as well. Okay. Kate, I mean, we're we're kind of told not to focus on calories. Yeah. That's sort of the new shift in eating is to, Mm -hmm. to not, you know, to not be counting calories, not to focus on them so much. But there is a point where you have to realize when you're not eating enough of them, right? Exactly. And I completely agree with not counting calories for the reverse reason (laughs) in terms of restricting calories. But I think it's important to know if you're eating enough. Enough, okay. Um, So quality quality is really important, what you're eating, but quantity is really key as well. Um, I would say find out what you're eating, just get a bit of an idea, but then stop. Don't track it. Don't get too caught up in it. Just get that idea and go, okay, I'm eating enough. I'm not eating enough. Here's what I need to do. Yeah. Okay. And so in terms of the carbs, the fats, and the proteins, Mm -hmm. um, what should we be concentrating on in each of those categories? Because I'm assuming carbs doesn't mean cakes and biscuits and fat doesn't mean deep fried chips. (laughs) (laughs) No. But if you have amenorrhea and you go to a doctor and you have amenorrhea from not eating enough, don't be surprised if the doctor tells you to just go and eat some pies, some Twinkies and some Mars bars. Because in their eyes, quality doesn't matter. It's all about quantity and just getting in those calories, which I disagree with. Um, Hormone balance, yes, we need the calories, but hormones and healthy metabolism and healthy functioning in general requires a whole array of nutrients. And so carbs, fats, protein, but also vitamins, minerals, fiber, absolutely everything. So if we're talking about carbohydrates, yeah, I'm not talking about, you know, white bread, pasta, Twinkies, things like that. Um, Ideally getting them from more whole food sources. So starchy vegetables, so sweet potato, potato, parsnip, um, a little bit of fruit, um, quinoa, buckwheat, amaranth, millet. Um, If you tolerate gluten, then going for a good quality fermented sourdough bread, if that's what you enjoy. Really, really good quality. So choosing those carb sources that are also good sources of vitamins and minerals. So you're getting the most bang for your buck there, essentially. Whereas if you were to have white bread, yes, you get carbs, but you get a few fortified vitamins, so some synthetic vitamins thrown in there, yay, but you don't actually get good quality vitamins and minerals. Yeah. Um, When we're talking about protein... Good quality protein, again, um, animal protein, sorry, is probably going to be (laughs) the best source. You can get a mix of animal and vegetable protein, but the most bioavailable, usable to the body is going to be good quality animal protein and getting a variety. So some good quality wild-caught oily fish, some beef, some uh, chicken, mixing it up, um, and then the vegetable sources, um, nuts, seeds, quinoa, spirulina, all of these wonderful foods. And then the fats, as you said, Geordie, not going for the deep fried foods, yeah. avoiding avoiding vegetable oils as much as possible. They are unbelievably toxic to the body. They're really, really inflammatory on the body and they're not going to help your cause. Whether you have amenorrhea, whether you have PCOS, any health condition, they're not going to help your cause. So if you have canola oil or sunflower oil, Take them to your garage and use them for oiling the joints because they're not meant for the kitchen at all. 
The fats you want to go for, again, are more whole food sources, so your avocados, your nuts and seeds, a good quality olive oil, uh, coconut oil, and then your traditional fats, so butter, lard, duck fat, tallow, all of these are wonderful healthy fats. Full-fat milk, full-fat yogurt, all of them are going to help to nourish you and support healthy hormones because hormones are made on fats and proteins. So you really need to ensure that you're getting adequate fat and protein in your diet. So don't be scared of them. Eat real food and eat it well. And that's the key, isn't it? If you can eat real food and leave the packet stuff on the shelf, then you're pretty much guaranteed a healthy diet. Exactly, exactly. By the same token, I would say don't beat yourself up if you have less than perfect foods every now and then. So if you have a not a Mars bar, ideally you don't have a Mars bar. If you're going to have less than perfect food, gelato messina, there we go. If you have gelato messina, don't beat yourself up about it. Eat it slowly, enjoy it, savour it because it is good, I'm not going to lie. It's It's not good for your hormones but it's good for your head which in turn is actually good for your hormones. So remembering the 80-20 rule as well. So 80% of the time eating really good quality whole real food and then 20% of the time, especially if you don't have any health conditions, enjoy something. Yeah. I mean, stressing and feeling guilty about it is is going to be more detrimental in the end than the tub of ice cream itself, really. Exactly. I think that's what you speak about. Yeah. Charlie. The gas. The gas. That's right. <laughs> Google gas on my website. Um, <laughs> um, while I have you, there is another thing I want to talk to you about, and that is soy milk mm. and hormones. What are your thoughts on that? I think there is no joy in soy. No joy in uh, soy. No joy in soy. So regarding hormones so soy is a really high source of um, phytoestrogens so plant estrogens which can mimic your body's own estrogen and throw off that hormonal balance um what did i read the other day i think it was a cup of soy milk is the equivalent to taking five birth control pills no yeah oh my goodness yeah and same with things like soy formula. We're feeding these soy formulas to babies and they're getting birth control pills essentially, which is going to massively mess with your hormones and contribute to things like estrogen dominance. And, yeah, it's not pretty at all. Um, and soy is made out to be this big health food because mm. the Asian cultures eat it. They eat it, yes. They don't eat it in large quantities though. It's kind of a condiment and they don't eat processed forms of it like soy milk and soy flour and soy oil they have traditionally fermented properly prepared forms of soy like tempeh and natto and miso miso, exactly in small amounts like teaspoon amounts yeah i've been having a dash of soy in my coffee i'm gonna stop yes please do i will i will it tastes so good (laughs) there's so many amazing nut milks available now i know okay (laughs) Converted. I'm going to give up coffee. What's the point? <laughs> I feel so defeated. Um, okay. So the other thing that I think is really important, and it's something that 
I battled with back in the day, and that's this idea of over-exercising. And I spoke about it in a um, recent podcast with the girls from Wabi Sabi Well and how um, over-exercising can also mess with our cortisol cortisol levels and our sympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. So you're a personal trainer as well as a nutritionist. Mm -hmm. What what have you noticed about this sort of over-exercising phenomenon? It's reached epidemic levels. Mm. Um, again, yeah, exercise is one of those things that we're, I think we have it in our head that if some is good, then more is better. Yes. And it's really, really not the case. I mean, the more, the more we do, the more stress we're going to be putting on our body. And as you said, it's going to increase our cortisol levels, our stress hormone levels, which is going to deplete our sex hormone levels and mess with our fertility mess with our bone health, mess with our immunity, mess with our libido. And if we keep going, having that cortisol pumping around in our body, it's going to lead to all this excess inflammation in our body, which is going to contribute to not just hormonal imbalance, but all of these other inflammatory conditions, so like diabetes, obesity, thyroid conditions, autoimmune conditions. You're really not doing yourself any favors by exercising yourself into the ground and you're going to increase your risk of injuries if you're not recovering properly and you'll probably notice that your strength and your performance will go down the more you do and you might even notice this nice little bit of belly fat that'll come on that you won't be able to shift because that's cortisol saying hey I'm hanging around because you've asked me to be here all the time and that won't go until you pull back and take some rest and that, that cortisol is your body thinking that it's trying to keep you safe, right? Like, Yeah. Well, so cortisol is your chronic stress hormone. So ideally, cortisol and adrenaline and noradrenaline should be released uh, intermittently. So um, if we look at it from an evolutionary perspective, it's used in terms of fight or flight. So you're in the middle of the desert and you're wandering around just looking for some food and then a tiger comes do tigers hang out in the desert anyway <laughs> they do in this story <laughs> in this story there's tigers in the desert <laughs> now no one trusts what I'm saying no 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 come on <laughs> go with me on this one okay it's in right. the jungle we're in the jungle <laughs> with the tigers <laughs> sorry everyone um okay so we're in the jungle and we're looking for food we're just walking along and then all of a sudden this jaguar jaguar is hanging out in the jungle jaguar comes up you're like oh my god i'm gonna get away and so you sprint and in order to sprint you need glucose to metabolize to be pushed into your bloodstream and that's where cortisol comes in so it shunts all of the blood away from your digestive system to your muscles where you're needed where it's needed to run run for your life literally run for your life um you know increases your heart rate increases your breathing rate and you get away from the jaguar hopefully and then you go walking again and so cortisol and these stress hormones come back down and that's how it should work ideally every now and then if you need to you use these hormones but in our society they're chronically elevated and that's what's leading to all these issues so the stress that we put on ourselves through, not just exercise, but it could be as simple as sitting in traffic and getting worked up or with the kids or financial stress. And all of these things are going to lead to chronic cortisol levels. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. 
other than the tiger in the desert. No, <laughs> no I think I think you set the scene really well with the tiger in the desert. Um, <laughs> no, no, it does make sense. It does make sense, and I guess it's I, I guess it's different for everybody. It's a personal thing, but you know what what amount of exercise do we need to be doing in order to be healthy? Because we do need to be moving. Yes. Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, I think we need, you, you hit the nail on the head saying we need to be moving. So we need to move more and exercise less. I say move your body every day as much as you can in as many different ways as you can. Um, avoid sitting. Well, not completely, but minimize sitting. We yeah. say as we're sitting down talking right now. <laughs> <laughs> but sitting is the new smoking. It's really not great for your health. Um but the more you can move your body in different ways, the more variety, the more stimulus you're going to give it, the more resilient it's going to become. Um, so I would say gentle movement as much as possible. So what I'm talking there is walking, gentle yoga, uh, tai chi, swimming, gentle dance, just general movement. And then I think a few times a week, and this is general health, so if you've got any health conditions that'll be different but general health I think we should be lifting weights or doing some sort of resistance or strength exercise a couple of times a week so two to three times a week I think we should do something high intensity a couple of times a week but keeping that high intensity short so I'm talking like sprints maybe 10 times 100 meter sprints and don't go straight into this build up to it don't just go out and bust a move and sprint Start out. sprinting down the streets. <laughs> you can you hurt yourself. Don't blame me. Um, but, yeah, sprinting every now and then or doing something like Tabata training a couple of times a week, which is just four minutes of exercise, but it's uh, interval training. So there's 20 seconds of exercise followed by 10 seconds of rest. You do that eight times through and the total is four minutes. And research has actually shown that to be more effective than half an hour running on a treadmill. Yeah, wow. And it only takes four minutes, people. Four minutes. Yeah. I, I would choose. Yeah. Oh, but absolutely. Keeping, <laughs> keeping the short stuff short and hard and then the slower, lower intensity stuff long. Yeah. And I guess it's also just, you know, figuring out what brings you joy in movement. You know, there's no point in doing it if you're hating every second of it. Exactly. Don't don't do exercise to burn calories. <laughs> yeah. Do exercise because it makes you feel good, because you like the energy that it gives you. You like the glow that it gives your skin. You like the strength that it gives you, not I've burnt off my lunch. Yeah. I mean, and there's no way of measuring that anyway. So what's the point? It's exactly. misdirected. <laughs> My favourite way to move at the moment is um, walking everywhere mm-hmm. with podcasts in my ear. Yeah, same. I'm a so good. fiend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, that's a, that's an easy way to, to move, get to a destination, educate yourself. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's perfect. Okay. So what, what else can we do... Um, aside from stress management, diet, and um, sort of cutting back on exercise a little and just concentrating on moving more, is there anything else we can do to nourish our hormones? Show yourself a little love. Be kind to yourself. Mm. Uh, as we were talking about before, if you're used to having abs and if your body is kind of part of your, part of what, 
I know it's part of who you are, but if you really, really are holding on to having abs and being lean, it can be hard to, to let go of it. But getting really, really used to showing yourself love all day, every day, and realizing that you are worth more than just having abs, that you, you're actually a person under there, that you're not just your body, is going to help you a lot. So if you don't if you don't love yourself, if you don't respect yourself, if you don't think that you're worthy, then you're not going to treat yourself well at all. So finding finding those ways to show yourself love and also finding your worthiness. So one of the things that I like clients to do is to write down five things that are good about them that aren't related to their appearance. And most of the time women find this really, really hard and a lot of the time it'll make them cry, which then makes me cry because I'm a sympathetic cry and then everyone cries and it's really <laughs> unfortunate. Um, but it's really important to realise that you do have worth and, you know, it might be that you're funny, that you're a kind person, that you're really good at art, that you're a supportive wife or husband or daughter or sister and just finding these things and then writing them on post-its and sticking them up around your house where you can see them and be reminded of them on a regular basis. Um, and another one that I like to recommend clients to do, especially if they need to change the shape of their body in any way, is what I call the body scan. And that is, it's hard, I'm not going to lie, but it, <laughs> with practice it really does pay off. And so that's when you have had a shower or a bath and you're in the bathroom and you're naked standing in front of the mirror and working through your body head to toe. So say starting at your hair and saying, looking at yourself in the mirror, touching your head and saying, I love my hair. And then working down, going, I love my eyes. I love my nose. I love my mouth. I love my boobs. I love my belly. I love my thighs. I love my thighs. I love my thighs. I love my thighs. Just working through that and at first you probably won't believe it and you'll realize your sticking points and you'll want to give up but stick with it and eventually energy follows thought yeah I can just imagine everybody listening to this now feeling very uncomfortable with that and that in itself is so telling isn't it that it's something we really need to be doing yeah the fact that we feel so uncomfortable to stand there with ourselves and nobody else. Well, I think because we're a lot of society, the idea is that if we love ourselves, that's tied up with narcissism, mm. um, which is completely ridiculous. I mean, there's there's a difference between arrogance and narcissism and just being kind to yourself. Yeah. And so, I'm not saying become selfish and caught up in yourself too much, but still respect other people and their well-being, but treat yourself as you'd also treat other people. And, and yeah, and be accepting of yourself. So few of us accept ourselves for who we are in this moment. Oh, pretty much no one does. There's always something that we want to change. And I think I'm not perfect in that regard. There's, it might not be my body now. I've come to, to peace with my body but you know there's little things all the time that I think I could be doing better but yeah pulling back and going hey I'm actually doing a pretty pretty good job here let's be a little bit gentler if if people were to um you know recognize they had a problem start to implement this stuff into their lives so reducing their stress improving their diet looking at their exercise practicing a little bit of self-love 
what sort of what sort of I mean I know you can't really put a timeline on it but how quick will results start to show up um in terms of getting your hormones back on track it's really different for everyone you should start to feel better within a couple of weeks um, because you're going to be getting so much more nourishment into your body um, on all levels so emotionally physically mentally Um, but in terms of getting your fertility back on track or getting your period restored or um, you know helping with your PCOS or reducing the pain in your periods um, at least six weeks most of the time I would say Um, but it is again really different it took me seven months to get my period back seven months of absolutely dedicated effort and then about another four months to start ovulating um but I've had clients who've lost their period for five years and then they get get it back after four or five weeks of working together. I might see them once and go, okay, job done, <laughs> which is crazy. And some people, they might take a year or two to get it back. So the sooner you start, the better, really. Exactly, because you don't know how long it's going to take. Um, and that's <laughs> another reason to get off the pill. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said earlier, you know, you don't necessarily need to be thinking about babies now but it could take a few years to get your body in the right rhythm so the sooner you start thinking about this stuff the better yeah and i i would highly recommend starting before you want to have babies because if you start when you want to have babies and it's not going as you expect it becomes really stressful and can be really heartbreaking um to go through these fertility issues and go and see doctors who will tell you that you're not going to fall pregnant it's it's hard so start before you want to have babies so to avoid that heartache yeah um and and one thing just before we wrap up that um i'd really like to touch on as well is men and hormones i mean they have hormones too right (laughs) (laughs) they do (laughs) they don't get away with it (laughs) they don't get away they're they're a fair bit more resilient um, I think our hormones are so much more susceptible to damage because we are the baby carriers mm. um, and there is a lot more at stake if our if anything's there that's going to threaten our hormones um, in terms of you know losing a baby or losing the mother. Um, but men can have messed up hormones as well. A key one that I see with men is estrogen dominance, so low testosterone and excess estrogen as a result of eating a crappy diet, so too much sugar, um, too many vegetable oils, too much refined carbohydrates, not enough high-quality, good-quality vegetables, um, good-quality meats and fats. Um, And that's going to come out as man boobs. (laughs) Yeah, wow. Man boobs, impotence, acne, uh, low libido, all of those lovely things. Mm. Baldness, male male baldness. That's another sign of a hormone imbalance. Yeah, wow. Uh, and it's not just from eating poorly, but stress really drastically affects male hormones and male fertility as well. It decreases testosterone big time. So they're not they're not completely in their own little world. <laughs> no. And I think yeah, and I think stress management is a is a big one for guys and something that I think is becoming a little bit more spoken about. I think so. Yeah, I think they're coming around to the idea of it. Yeah. Realising that it's not nothing shameful about looking after yourself a little bit no not at all i've got to say actually like in the last 12 months i've noticed an influx of men in my yoga class 
which I am not complaining about. <laughs> but but quite a few of them stick around after class as well for, you know, like a good 10-minute meditation afterwards. I'm so impressed when I see that them sitting impressive. there. That is impressive. Yeah, you know, actually, crazy. two years ago, my hubby wouldn't have done any yoga, and now he does yoga morning and night and finishes the day with meditation. Oh, amazing. He's doing better than me. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> Maybe that's what New Zealand does to him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, honey, if people want to find out more about you and what you do and potentially work with you, are you working with clients at the moment? I am. I am only working part-time, but I am working with clients at the moment. Okay. So where can where can people find you? The best place would probably be my website, which is www.theholisticnutritionist.com. Beautiful. And- that's my handle on Instagram and Facebook. Gorgeous. I will put I'll put all of that in the show notes. Um, and you've also got a book coming out. I do, which is scary. So uh, exciting. Can you tell <laughs> us about that? Uh, so I've been writing a book for the past year. Um, a little bit of advice. If you have a baby, don't try and write a book in the same year as having said baby. <laughs> um, so this book is going to be all about um optimizing women's hormones so not just amenorrhea which has been my specialty for the past little while but all about optimal hormone health um through really simple effective strategies so utilizing diet utilizing stress management lifestyle self-love there's a whole chapter to self-love and strategies in there um there's recipes there's meal plans there's exercise plans there's how to figure out how much food you need to nourish yourself properly there's tips and tricks for all different hormonal conditions um and reasons why you need things like fats carbs proteins what to look for in those so it's a really all-encompassing book yeah fantastic and when when is the publishing date for that i think september of this year yeah oh great (laughs) ideally it's with the editors at the moment so um, but in the meantime, if people are interested, Kate has a fantastic ebook on her website. Yeah. <laughs> now I sound arrogant. I do have a fantastic ebook. Um, <laughs> no, it's I fantastic said. because you contributed to it, Geordie. <laughs> no, oh, I sorry. did too. You know what? I actually forgot about that. I wasn't even just saying it because I'm in there. It is a fantastic book. It's full of so much information. So that one is more focused on um, hypothalamic amenorrhea. So it's called Healing Hypothalamic Amenorrhea. And it's all about getting your period and your fertility back on track. And that's full of the whys, the whats, the hows, the whens. And the part that I love about it most is all the stories that other women have contributed to it. They're so inspiring and it really, I love it. I love reading everyone else's stories. I think it's, it's nice to know that you're not alone yeah. And I think it's really nice that a lot of the women who contributed are health professionals so, <laughs> who are meant to have everything, all their ducks lined up in yeah. a row. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a nice part of it. Yeah, fantastic. So that's um, – I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well, but that's available from Kate's website. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for coming thank and chatting you. to me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, it was fantastic and so informative. And I feel like um, I feel like people can take some real gems from that. Hopefully. Yeah, and the the more we can do to um, educate women about their own about their own hormones, 
the better the world will be, I think. Yes, get to know your hormones, ladies. If you're looking for the show notes for this week's episode, head on over to the blog, theinspiredtable.com.au. And if you're new to the Inspired Table podcast, I urge you to have a flip through some of the archived interviews. There's some really inspiring stuff on there. I don't know if this is cool to admit, but I actually re-listened to some of them the other day. And I've got to say, there are some gold gems in there. Um, If you're looking for a little bit of inspiration before next week's episode, come and hang out with me on Instagram. It's my favorite place to hang out. You can find me at The Inspired Table and I'm also over on Facebook. Until then, I'm Jordana Levine, wishing you an inspirational week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.